today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. Uh, we thank you for uh, being with us through this week, Lord. We uh, thank you for this opportunity that we have this week to celebrate Thanksgiving. Lord, we want to be thankful every day. Uh, thankful for the uh, mercy that you give us. Thankful for the love that you give us, Lord. Uh, we often uh, forget to uh, thank you for the things, the, the small things. and Lord, we want to take a the opportunity to thank you for everything that you do in our life. And Lord, we just ask you to be with us tonight uh, as we get into your word. Lord, we ask that you help us clear our minds, uh, that we uh, focus on you. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the time that we had to worship. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you'd speak now, that uh, there'd be a message that you have to give. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I wanted to start tonight by telling how I ended up here at Simple Church, I guess. Um, I was a small group leader uh, at a church where Kenny was the youth pastor before, um, and that's how I got to know most of the the band and Kenny and Connie and uh, I guess most of the founding church at Simple Church. Uh, and then uh, I got divorced and a while later got remarried, and we had kind of gotten out of church. We just didn't feel comfortable at the church that I was at before. Um, and then I started seeing stuff about Simple Church on Facebook, and I thought they were renaming the college and career ministry, which is what Kenny was doing at that time. So I just thought they were revamping that and changing that stuff around, and uh, then after the first Sunday, I seen pictures from the service and realized that wasn't what was happening. So I called Dawn and asked her, I said, can you start a church? She said, yeah. She said, are y'all going to come visit? I said, no, we're not coming to visit. We're coming to go to church. And I tell you all that to tell you all since we've been at Simple Church for, oh, it's going on three years or over three years now. Uh, it's drastically changed my life, my family's life, the, the way that we think about things, the way we do things. Um, you know, before, I always tried to do what I felt like was what God wanted, but I never, I never prayed constantly in each situation, in every decision that I have of, Lord, show me what you want me to do, and Lord, give me the answer to this, or, you know, Lord, show me your will, uh, put me in the center of your will. I never, I never prayed like that before, and being here at Simple Church and listening to Kenny, and I don't know, I guess here is where I really feel like I got the closest to the Lord that, I, that I've ever been, um, and I tell you all that to, to tell you that I'm... All that being said, I try to do all that now, and I find myself doing things that I never thought I would do, uh, one being up here speaking, uh, another being going on a mission trip to Haiti. Uh, I'm going to show some pictures of that, of our last trip, um, but you know, before coming to Simple Church, I never, it never even crossed my mind that I would be going on a mission trip to a foreign country uh, for 
any reason, you know? And I feel like that's because I wasn't close to the Lord. I wasn't as close as I needed to be. Uh, So therefore, I didn't know his will for me. I wasn't feeling him speak to me. And so being here and doing all that has got me to where, obviously, I think completely different than I did three years ago. Um, You know, used to have some bad luck or something. I would think, you know, that's Satan. He's trying to get to me today. And now I've realized, you know what? It's not always Satan. Uh, a lot of folks think when you become a Christian that everything's going to get easier. It, it, it's not necessarily that way. Uh, trials are going to come when you become a Christian. Uh, it's just the way that it happens. Um, and it's not always Satan trying to get at us. It may be the Lord trying to teach us something. You know, you have a flat tire and you think, oh, that's Satan, he's trying to get me. No, there was a construction site about half a mile back the road and somebody left some nails out. You know, that's why you got a flat tire. And, you know, you think, uh, you think my mother-in-law's coming to the house this week for Thanksgiving. Satan's really trying to get to me. No, 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 that's, that's probably an answered prayer. You remember back when you... Uh, prayed for patience, that's an answer to prayer. The Lord said, here, your mother-in-law's coming to your house. We're going to teach you some patience. And so I say that to say, don't pray for patience because the Lord will send your mother-in-law to your house. But uh, in that, with all that, I've learned things like that, that these trials are there to make us better, uh, to build us up. It's kind of like, if you think that you're not going to have trials because you're a Christian. It's kind of like us thinking that we're going to get swole without getting sore. You know, when you go to work out at the gym, it breaks down the fibers of your muscles. That's what makes you sore, and they grow back together stronger. That's where that muscle comes from. That's how you get ripped. These trials are breaking down the fibers of our spiritual muscles, and that growth back together is what makes us stronger, what makes us a good Christian. And uh, that's just some of the things that I've learned over the past three years uh, and what led to going on a mission trip in March of 2017. Um, And these mission trips to Haiti have changed me even more, changed my perspective on everything even more from there. Um, And the trip that we just went on, we have a video, some pictures and stuff that we're going to play real quick.
when we go on these mission trips, we always end up a little bit frustrated. Um, we go with a, a plan and the way that we think things are going to go. And we learned the first time that we were there that <clears throat> it doesn't always happen that way. And uh, we learned that we shouldn't be frustrated with it. But yet each time we go back, we still end up that same way. It's like the Lord telling us that, uh, hey, I tried to show you this once or twice already. And you continue to try to lean on your own plan. And I am brought you here this week not only to help these uh Haitian people, but to show you it's about my plan, not yours. So, and, you know, we're always hard-headed and things go on that, you know, we don't think should be happening. Uh, this past trip, we were building the latrine, which is the, the block building that you've seen in the pictures. When we got there, the hole was already dug, uh, and there was a small footer in the bottom of it, and that was it. Uh, when we got there, we learned that Mixing concrete wasn't going to be like we do concrete. Uh, the pile of the white-looking dirt and gravel, that was the sand. And uh, the couple pictures with folks with shovels and a little screen box, we were making sand. He'd take that, shovel it into that box, sift it out, get the sand out, dump the rocks in another pile, which get used later. Uh, that sand was being used to make mortar for the block. Um, and then that gravel ends up getting used later in making concrete for the slab for that building. So we learned a lot, uh, learned a lot for what we take for granted and how easy we have things. You know, even I do construction and have for 22 years, and a lot of us think that the construction that we have here is tough, and and it is, don't get me wrong, it's hard work, but then we get down there and realize what they go through to do just a small process of what we do. And, you know, it's things like that that I don't realize what I take for granted every day. If I want to mix some concrete, I go to Lowe's and buy a 50-pound bag and pour it in a bucket and mix it with some water. You know, I got that done in less than five minutes. And, you know, if you took out the whole process of us sifting that sand out of that gravel and using the gravel... Uh, if it's just two guys doing that, you're probably talking all day to make enough concrete to fill up a five-gallon bucket. And you're taking, it's things like that that we don't, you know, when you're on a mission trip that you don't realize what you may be seeing. You know, we, we realize that they're living in a, in a shack. That's an, an easy visual of things that we take for granted. They don't have water. They don't have electricity. And but you don't realize just every little thing that we take for granted on a daily basis. Uh, I, and I don't know if it's possible if Connie put the picture back up there, but the one of that car uh, that was made out of the oil can, um, it's things like that that we take for granted. I said a while back, I think I even posted it on Facebook, that, you know, our situation isn't what's important. It's your interpretation of it. And these kids down there have, an, have this little car that's made out of a, basically, a quart of oil. And it's got uh, bottle caps that were made for the wheels. And it's got a string tied to the front of it. And he's dragging it around and having a blast. You know, it's because of his interpretation of it. 
you know, that's, that's fun. That's uh, all he's known. You know, he don't know the things that we have. But it's all the way that he's looking at it. He didn't look at it as he has, doesn't have anything. He's got that toy to play with. Yeah, and that picture's a little hard to see there. It's a little bit grainy. But that is a Mobile One oil can with the backside cut off of it. And then it's turned around and made a trailer out of it. And all that is straws and Coke bottles that's made for wheels. And that's what they took. I don't know who made that for him. You know, we just seen him playing with it. And then when they went in for vacation Bible school, uh, he left it outside. It was dirty and muddy. And he respected the church enough that he left it outside and didn't take it in. He left it on the front porch. Uh, but, you know, I see things like that and... And I realized that, you know, Lord didn't send me all the way to Haiti to just come down here and help these people. He's taken me to Haiti to show me the things that I take for granted and the things that I could do different. And, and that's what I was saying earlier about these trips and the way that they change the way that we think. Uh, I know I'm not just speaking for me, but everybody that's been on a mission trip uh, probably has that same same feeling. I know anybody that I've talked to that finds out that I've just come back from one, you know, a lot of folks, if they don't know that I've been one before, the first response they tell me is, I, I bet your life's been changed forever. And, and they're absolutely right. The first one changed my life forever. Um, we, uh, we got to, to build the latrine. Uh, Jesse spent a, a lot of time in that hole, and I know it was hot. It's hot down there anyway. There's not a lot of air. We did get lucky in the area we were working. There was a lot of shade. Uh, we tried to stay in the shade as much as possible in every activity that we were doing in that construction. But Jesse was stuck in that hole in the sun. Uh, I say stuck in that hole. He was gladly in that hole. They asked him, and he volunteered to get in there with two of the Haitian guys who were laying block. And that's uh, part of where the, uh, the frustration come in for us this time was we knew that's what we went down there to do. We chose to do the latrine, and... Our goal was to finish this latrine before we left because most of the other times we've been down there, other than small projects, we haven't been able to see something from beginning to end. And so we get down there the first day and they tell us that uh, on Wednesday, it's going to be a Haitian holiday. Um, and they tell us that there'll be parades and other things. So they tell us that the Haitian staff with Mission of Hope has requested that we just stay on campus that day. So immediately we all start to get a little frustrated because we think, well, that's a day out of this project that we wanted to see completed. Now we may not be able to complete. So we work the first day on Monday and, uh, and get a lot of work done. And then Tuesday morning they tell us that not only are they going to keep us on campus on Wednesday, but now they've decided that when we come back Tuesday for lunch, they're going to keep us for the rest of the day on Tuesday as well because they're worried that things might start early. So, of course, that gets us even more frustrated, you know. And I can't speak for everybody else, but I know at this point I wasn't praying to the Lord the way that I should have and asking him, you know, what is it that you're trying to show us or what is it that you're trying to keep us from out there? Um, and, and I was pretty frustrated. And they tell us that we have some things we can do on campus to help 
you know, that doesn't normally get done. We can do some things to help improve around the campus. And they tell us one of those is cutting some weeds and bushes with machetes. And of course, we weren't real thrilled with that because we didn't feel like that was, and we were wrong in that feeling, by the way, but we didn't feel like that's what we were there to do. We didn't feel like we were here to be cutting grass. And, uh, and, a, and a path that goes from up where the main area on campus is, path walkway that goes back down, uh, I'd say about 100 yards to sidewalk that leads back down to where the uh, orphanage houses and the church and stuff is. And they tell us that we're going to fill in a lot of ruts and washed areas in it with uh, dirt and rocks. And so we're all pretty frustrated about, you know, the situation and what's going on. And Wednesday, we get up and we start working on this path and we start talking to each other. You know, nobody's in a real good mood. Everybody's still frustrated. And I tell Connie at one point that I, I feel like this was something we were supposed to be learning. Uh, I feel like the Lord put us in this situation and that he put us working on this path and t- digging rocks and dirt and toting it in a wheelbarrow and spreading it in, in ruts because there was something he was trying to teach us or show us. And, you know, it's kind of like the same situation with Abraham and Isaac. You know, I feel like that was God testing Abraham to see if he would do what he was told. I feel like we were there to work on that dirt path just to see if we would do what we were told, if we would listen to what instruction we had been given. And we worked our tail off, uh, worked really hard and got it done early and ended up taking the rest of the afternoon off and that's where we went and spent a lot of the time playing with the kids down at the orphanage. Um, Then uh, not long after dark that night, it come one of the hardest thunderstorms, biggest, heaviest rains that we have ever seen in Haiti. Maybe one of the biggest, heaviest rains we've ever seen here. (laughs) Um, We were up under the uh, basketball court where we do our devotions at night. We were up there. We just just about finished our devotion when the lightning started and the heavy rain. So we weren't able to to get out from under there to go where we uh, where our rooms were, or even around to the other side of the building where the gathering area is. Uh, and it just rained harder and harder. Big bolts of lightning, some that felt like they were almost on top of us. And then as it starts to slow down, we walk over to the edge of the basketball court, and on the other side of the wall, there's just a river running through there. And get to looking... And from where this is in location and the lay of the land, we realize this river is also running down that path that we just laid all this dirt and rock in, which we know means it didn't have time to be compacted and get settled in, that it's all going to be gone. So with that being said, that really made me feel like this was really just something the Lord had us to learn he was trying to teach us a lesson, you know, whatever that may have been. Uh, if it was just obedience, just to do what you're told uh, when you're asked of what you're told. Um, you know, we don't know that for sure. He didn't give me a piece of paper later saying, hey, this is what I was trying to show you. So, But I really feel like that's what it was. Uh, and then 
we all started to get a little better uh, spirit uh, the next day. After that Thursday, we were able to go back and get back to work on the latrine. Um, and Thursday, we knew we were only going to work half a day anyway because the last half of the day that we were going to do uh, Kids Club, uh, which is, I guess, similar uh, to Vacation Bible School on a small, very small scale, I guess. I didn't get to be a whole lot of a part of that. I had an extremely bad headache and, and didn't go inside the church because it was super loud where they were singing and everything in there. But um, we did get the latrine done, uh, all but uh, all but putting actual commode in. Uh, we all were pretty shocked. You know, when we thought we were building latrine, we thought it was going to be just kind of a, a glorified outhouse. We thought, you know, a block building with a hole in the ground, which is what we have seen in, in some of the other villages when we were there before. But the latrine that we built, uh, we actually, that pit was about eight foot deep, probably six foot by six foot wide, laid block to the top of the hole, and then poured a slab across that with plumbing in it the small, and I'm not sure if that picture made it up there or not, there was a small block platform about this tall. They are going to put a cistern tank on it. They catch water in and actually have a commode in the latrine building. Uh, so they actually have running water instead of just your glorified outhouse like we thought. So we were very pleased with that. We actually did get finished with it other than just setting that, um, which we felt like... Uh, was a great accomplishment being that we missed a day and a half of the time that we were supposed to be working on it. And then they uh, got to do the kids club for the uh, last half of the day on Thursday. And I, I know that was an enjoyable time as we got to do VBS last year. Uh, and it, it was, I'm sure it was very similar to that. They got to feed the kids while they were there at kids club at the church. Um, Got to share with them some projects and, and some crafts. And uh, while they were doing that, me and Jesse actually went back to the in the back of the village. All this was at Labadry, which we went to that village on our first trip to Haiti. And uh, me and Jesse went back with John Mark and got to visit with the young lady who, on the first trip, we got with Mission of Hope and got somebody to donate a wheelchair for her. She she didn't, I don't remember exactly what her uh, diagnosis was, but she had some issues and she couldn't walk, couldn't move very well. And uh, so we got back to go visit with her for a little bit and her mother was extremely grateful, just kept thanking us for being there, kept thanking us for for what we did on the first trip and and, and we, you know, we got to sit and enjoy some time with her and share with her a little bit. And it was just, I don't know, it was just a very, very touching situation, you know, to get to share and sit and talk with her and see you know, how grateful she was for that little thing. And just makes me think about the things that, again, that, that we take for granted and I'm sure there's some things that I'm missing. I probably went through all that quite fast. Um, obviously, John Mark was with us. Uh, we got to take him to Haiti with us, so we kind of took our own intern um, and translator, which in, when we got there, found out again. We talked to Austin when we got to Mission of Hope, and we were telling him that we had brought 
uh, John Mark with us. That was a surprise to all of them. They didn't know he was coming, and they were pretty excited to see him. But as well, one of our interns that was supposed to be with us that week uh, was actually having to leave early for some reason. Uh, so Austin told us he felt like that was a godsend that we we brought our own with us. And uh, not only that, you know, we love John Mark to death, and all of us feel super comfortable with him. And Lucy Kate, she would play with those kids and <laughs> running around with them, playing and singing songs. And of course, they're all singing in Haitian Creole, and they were playing on five-gallon buckets and beating drums. And it really makes you think that if we could just be more like a child, you know, a child at heart and the things that they do, but uh, they would get to talking to her, and it was so funny. She'd turn and look at John Mark, and she'd say, John Mark, what is he trying to say to me? <laughs> and so John Mark would come help her with that. But it was great to see the way that all the kids that went got in and worked, Lily, Mackenzie, and Faith. They all took part in shoveling rock and sifting rock and sand. And is uh, just a great experience, as it always is. And it... Uh, really changes changes so much about the way you think when you get to be a part of one of these trips. But the uh, the devotions that we do down there, I'd done the one on the first night that we were there, and I wanted to share a little bit of that uh, tonight. Um, and that first devotion that we done was out of uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's son, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once and they also followed him leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Now I'll read that to say this is where this is the point where Jesus started calling his disciples. And in how he done it, he just told them, "Come on, go with me." There was no discussion. They didn't talk about, you know, like we would if this was a job interview. You know, what are my duties going to be? What is my pay going to be? Is there 401k? It was none of that. He just called them and they went. Um, speaking of 401k, the retirement plan, Jesus, his retirement plan is the best you can get, especially compared to, to everything else that's available at that point. But, uh, you know, it just made me think, and it's what it, it said in the, the devotional book. You know, what would we do if we were called that way? How do we think we would respond if we were called in that way by a leader today, obviously we don't know what it's like to be walking the earth with Jesus. We didn't get to experience that and what a great time that would be. But what if a leader today, what if the president at any point walked in the room and told you, come on, go with me. We're going we're gonna to fix things. We're going to make things better and we're going to show everyone else how it can be better. Uh, and you just have to turn and walk away. They didn't, they didn't explain to anybody what they were going to do or, hey, I'm going to be gone for a little while. I'm going with Jesus. Uh, you know, can y'all take care of this? The dogs need to be fed and 
make sure the cat's okay too. You know, there was none of that. They just turned and walked away. And it just really makes you think about what, what our response would, that, would be if Jesus was here today and he'd come in the room right now and say, hey, come on, let's go. But when you think about it, we do have a calling that the Lord gives us, uh, each and every one of us. We have that calling to follow, follow him uh, in, in, in no matter what the situation is. We're to take up our cross and follow Jesus. <clears throat> the biggest part of that is to share his love and to share the gospel. There's, uh, you know, there's people out there who haven't heard it, obviously, and that's one of the reasons we do these mission trips is to go to these areas and, and try to share the love of Jesus and share the gospel with them, those who haven't heard it and, and, and don't know what that's about. And part of the reasons we do these projects is Mission of Hope, as well as the pastors in churches in these villages, use things like that as a tool to reach lost people in these villages. Uh, they even told us this time, uh, it wasn't the case with this latrine, but a lot of times they may choose a family in the, in the village to give something like that to uh, who's not involved in the church or who isn't coming to church, who they've maybe tried to get to come and they haven't had a lot of success with. And they use that to give this to this family so this family realizes what's being done for them so maybe they can get them to come to church. So then they realize or they get to hear the gospel and get to see the love of Christ and have the possibility to minister to these people. And we're called to do the same thing on a daily basis. Um, and in Ezekiel 33, 1 through 9 is the last scripture I'm going to read up tonight. I read this a while back, and uh, it stuck with me for a long time. Um, it says, once again, a message came from, to me from the Lord. Son of man, give your people this message. When I bring an army against a country, the people of the land choose one of their own to be a watchman. When the watchman sees the enemy coming, he sounds an alarm to warn the people. Then if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action, it is their own fault. If they die, they heard the alarm but ignored it. So the responsibility is theirs. If they had to listen to the warning, if they had listened to the warning, they could have saved their lives. But if the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsible for their captivity. They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchman responsible for their deaths. Now, son of man, I am making you a watchman for the people of Israel Therefore, listen to what I say and warn them for me. If I announce that some wicked people are sure to die and you fail to tell them to change their ways, then they will die in their sin and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn them to repent and they don't repent, they will die of their sins, but you will, be, you will have saved yourself. That is our calling, to share the gospel and the love of Christ. And what that's saying there is not only is that a calling, it's a responsibility. If we don't get out and share that, we don't get out and share what we've learned in this book, and there's someone out there who's never heard it, 
and we had that opportunity to share with them and we didn't, then we're going to be held responsible. It's not just like an awkward situation. And I know it's tough sometimes, especially with family. Uh, it can be some of the toughest people to talk to. Uh, but it, it's not just a calling. It is a responsibility. And it tells us right there that if we don't do it, we have the opportunity and we do not do it, we will be held responsible. That's been on my heart for a while and uh, I felt like that kind of went with this whole showing these videos of Haiti or the pictures and, and why we go there and the things that we've learned and the way that we've been changed and, and just really it really kind of gets to you when you think of the opportunities that you've had, you know, uh, whether it's a coworker or a friend or a classmate, uh, maybe even somebody that's been in this building, you know, that we didn't share with, that we thought had a need and that we didn't talk with, that we just passed by. We may be held responsible for that because we had that opportunity and didn't take it. With that being said, I hope that uh, that we all can keep that in mind, keep it at heart, that uh, next time that we have that opportunity, that we, we seize that opportunity, and we take that opportunity to share the love of Christ uh, in any way that we can, uh, whether that's reaching out and helping somebody, whether that's just sitting and talking with somebody, whether it's just sitting down and telling them the gospel. Um, I know there's a, a lot of tables up here at the altar tonight for uh, the uh, youth and 20-something but uh, I'm going to pray, and uh, if you feel the need to come pray, don't let these tables stop you. You come on up here. There's room on the other side if you want to pray at this altar. If you want to pray at your seat, that's fine. But, uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the words that you've given me. I thank you for the words that are in this book, Lord. Uh, I thank you that we have the opportunity on a daily basis to share your love, Lord, in, in whatever way that that is. Lord, we just ask that you continue to be with us through this week. Uh, Lord, we are going to be with family this week to celebrate holiday. Uh, Lord, we know there's going to be people that we're around that uh, probably have either not heard your, your gospel, have not had the chance for somebody to share your love with them. Lord, we just ask that you be with us, you give us the courage, and you continue to uh, burden us until we can't stand it, Lord, that we take that opportunity and we share with that person so that they have the opportunity to know you the way that we do, Lord. Lord, again, I just want to thank you for all the many blessings that you've given us. And uh, Lord, most importantly, we want to thank you for loving us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.